Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Amy Franco. Amy is the author of the new book, The Modern Seller. And we're going to talk about the biggest traps that people fall into that gets them into old school sales strategies. We're going to talk about five next gen skills that can help propel your business to the next level and the specific areas of focus that you can look at that will help generate better results with this modern approach to selling. You're going to learn a ton from Amy Franco. Amy Franco, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. It's absolutely my pleasure. Before we dive in, can you share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? Something that people don't really know about me is that I come from a pretty big immediate family. I am the oldest of five daughters. Wow. Oldest of five daughters. Yep. So that means that um, that your parents must have been incredibly patient individuals. <laughs> usually uh, that and usually the response is, oh, my gosh, your poor dad. Exactly. Exactly. What did he do? He was a firearm salesman. Didn't start that way, but that's that's what he quickly became. I love this whole idea of the modern seller and taking a modern approach to sales and marketing, which is near and dear to my heart. What are the biggest changes that you've seen, the biggest traps that people fall into that indicate that maybe they're selling in an old way rather than a modern way? Yeah. So so if I could offer up a couple of ideas here, I, I think, think first and foremost, one of the indicators that I see more often than anything else is the the transactional mindset, if you will. So sales professionals that are, are, are really stuck in lower level conversations, feature benefit type of conversations, which, which have their place for sure. But the the sales professional that really knows how to differentiate himself or herself has, has made that transition, that leap into someone who is, they are consultative. They are looking at everything from a business standpoint, not just a product or service standpoint. And that leap is really important to differentiating yourself and being successful as a seller in, in this new sales economy that, that we're dealing with. Um, so that's one thing. And then I would say the second thing is, uh, needing to be mindful of all of the different dynamics and trends that are affecting our prospects and clients. Business dynamics, technology trends, cultural change, they're all creating the, this fluid churn happening in our prospects or clients. And we have to stay on top of those trends and on top of those challenges so that we can, can help our prospects and clients solve for those, for those challenges in the new sales economy. So, so those are probably two big things that I see happening pretty often. So it's that feature benefit focus, um, not really looking at the business outcomes and the business issues and being somewhat unaware of the trends, dynamics, technologies that have changed the landscape. Is that right? Okay. And, and, and I, and, and I'm relying on you to give us a ton of insight in how we modernize those, but let's make sure that people can internalize this a little bit. So when somebody is that old school seller and they're focused on the transaction and the feature benefit, what happens with the dynamic between the seller and the buyer? Yeah. So, so when someone is really kind of boxed in, if you will, into that, that transactional conversation, it really, it really narrows that seller's ability 
to make a bigger impact on the business. It, it narrows their ability to be able to get into other, other elements and other aspects of the business. And so being able to, to make that jump out of the transactional box really opens up more opportunity and it opens up uh, more, more profitable opportunity for that seller. Yeah, and in fact, Amy, I often refer to it as when the seller is solely focused on the transaction or their own view of the world, they suffer from a new form of ADD that are referred to as axis displacement disorder. And that's when the seller believes the axis of the earth has shifted and now the world revolves around them. And they get so caught up in this idea of how they can make the sale that they lose sight of why the client needs this and what outcomes are going to make it successful for the client. Is that, is that, is that part of the, the trap that they fall into? Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And in, in what I would add to that is when they, they have that sort of myopic view of the world and, and they're inwardly focused, it, it becomes a focus on that particular opportunity only. Instead of looking at that opportunity as a springboard to growing a deeper relationship, to opening up other opportunities, not just for the seller, but for the seller to solve problems for that prospect or client. So being able to get from that kind of myopic, it's all about me sort of view and turning that to being really focused on the prospect or client, they can take that initial opportunity, that initial win and actually springboard it into more, more success for everyone. Yeah. And that, that notion, I mean, I, I love that perspective because so often what what you hear from the novice, and it doesn't even have to be novice. It could just be the person doesn't quite have the vision. They could have been doing this for 30 years, so they don't have to be a newbie at it. But when they're so focused on the transaction, it's amazing to me. I remember we had in, in my prior business, we had, a, we had a salesperson who was going after a certain account, and they were, he was trying to sell something that was $30,000, a major telecom company. Mm-hmm. And he was entirely focused. And I said, well, what's the client trying to solve? What, what's important to them? I don't know, but, but they seem interested. I'm sure they have budget for it. And maybe they don't. Maybe we'll have to cut a deal. And so we go out to meet with this prospect. And, and the client is describing what they want to do. And, they, and the client keeps saying, and can your product do that? And, this, and the, my sales rep says, yeah, it could do that. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking, you know what? Though it could actually do these things, it's not the right tool for what they're trying to do. So I interrupted and I said, look, I know Steve's passionate about this, but the product can do everything you're talking about, but it's probably not the right tool to do it. Can I learn a little bit more about what it is you're trying to accomplish and why you're trying to solve this to begin with? And as Steve was on oxygen, because he's afraid that this deal is just being lost for him, we left and ended up doing over $10 million in business with this client over the next several years in a myriad of different areas because we put their needs ahead of what someone was trying to sell. And I, I love that example because it's, it's an example of, of a seller or in your case, sales leader as well, taking a strategic long-term view and, and really having the courage and the confidence to say, this may, this is probably not the right product for you, but let's dig into what we're trying to solve for. And let me see if I can help you or if I can make other recommendations. It takes a lot of strategic thinking and a lot of confidence and courage to be that, that salesperson or that sales leader. And, and keep in mind, I didn't even necessarily know that what they were going to tell us they needed was something we could fix. Sure. It's just, I knew that 
what we were trying to sell them wasn't the right thing at the time. And then when we do sell something that may not be the right thing for them at the time, typically what will happen is, and, and I know I've experienced this myself, when we sell something that is not the right fit, the client isn't happy with it. And then we're having to be in a potential crisis mode or a fix it mode all the time because it isn't quite the right fit. And then our long-term reputation takes a hit for that. So we're, we're losing profitability on our side. We have a client that's unhappy. And oh, by the way, in an age of social media where people are very willing to share their bad experiences with solution providers, our reputation takes a hit. And, and that's something that I think too often people lose sight of. I'll get someone who says, yeah, but, but, but I got to hit my numbers. And it's like, look, if you sell to somebody and it's not a good fit and they don't get the right outcome, you'll never get repeat and referral business. In fact, your brand equity goes down. If you actually say, look, I don't know if this is the right fit for you, you may not win that sale today, but you're going to earn that client's trust for life. So it's a better long-term strategy. Right, right. And, and that's really why I wanted to, um, wanted to dig into some of these more modern skill sets that I see sales professionals and, and sales organizations needing to cultivate. So these stories and examples that we're talking about are really representative of some of these higher level skills I'm seeing that we need to create in our organizations and why I decided to write the book, The Modern Seller. You know, that's awesome. Let's dive into those. And I want to take a quick break for, uh, for, for this week's sponsor because it's very relevant to this idea of finding the right people for your organization. Building the right sales talent in your organization can be a challenge. I mean, how do you know which candidates are going to do well and which ones aren't, and even which questions to ask in the interview process to figure it out? Well, you don't have to struggle with it anymore. The people at Peak Sales Recruiting have come up with a free sales interview guide. And if you need help finding the right candidates, these guys are total rock stars at finding those right candidates and helping them understand why they'd be better off working for you than somebody else. To get their free guide and to learn more, visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. Amy, let's now talk about these, these traits and the skill set for the modern seller. So, so a little bit of the background on, on the modern seller, I, I really wanted to dig into higher level skills that I'm seeing sales professionals and sales organizations needing to develop. So my, my, a little bit of my background that contributes to this, that the first 10 years of my career, I grew up in sales, uh, working for, uh, IBM and also for Lenovo. So, so high tech sales environment. And then for the past 10 years, I have run a training firm that focuses on leadership development and sales training, sales consulting. So it kind of kind of blends the both the best of both worlds. And I wanted to dig into the, the skill sets in, in the learning side of it and apply that to sales organizations. So, so there are lots of great resources, great books that, that get into the, the tactical skills of prospecting, of presenting, negotiating, closing, all of those skills and activities are still extremely important and we need to have those specific skills. The, the skills of the modern seller lay on top of all of those other skills to help us become better at those sales activities. So the five key skills are agility, 
uh, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and ambassador. So those are the five big next generation skill sets that are going to make us more effective and more efficient with our everyday sales activities. Okay. So, so take, if, if we can take us through these, um, one by one. So we know what you mean. Yep, absolutely. So, so the first one is agility and, you know, agility is one of those things that even a decade ago really wasn't on our radar as a skill. Uh, the center for creative leadership did this study where they followed the the top skills that uh, that organizations need to be developing, and really only in the last ten years or so has agility come on the radar as something that we need to be developing. So what that means is it's not really something that we've been taught as a skill. And, and agility, if you think of someone who is agile, they are they are nimble, they are quick on their feet, they can make really solid decisions with only partial information. They're able to operate in ambiguity. They're able able to pivot really well. These are all skills. These are all traits, attributes that we need to be developing in ourselves so that we can help our prospects and clients also become more agile. Cool. And uh, yeah, so, so agility is something that it's something that can be taught. It's something that we can build and it will, will make us more relevant, will help us be more innovative, and will help our prospects and clients be more innovative too. Excellent. Next one, yeah, now so, we go to entrepreneurial, right? Yep, entrepreneurial. So there, there was some interesting research that was done um, a number of years ago by um, Ryan Westwood, and I believe it was with Entrepreneur Magazine, where they wanted to dig into what are the biggest skills that, that entrepreneurs have. And there, there are dozens of skills that successful entrepreneurs have. And what they wanted to figure out was, what's the one that really rises above the rest? And so, so they did some research and, and interviewed a number of uh, entrepreneurs, and, and the common thread amongst all of them was that they were all uh, million-dollar entrepreneurs. So, so think about a seller. A seller is typically going to carry at least a million-dollar quota, or they might be building a million-dollar-plus book of business. And so the one skill that really rises above the rest is vision. Entrepreneurial sellers can create a vision for their, their territory, for their book of business, that that three-year or that five-year vision, they can paint that big picture of where they want to be. But then what they're also really good at is being able to back that down to one-year, two-year increments so that they are choosing the right sales activities, the right prospects, the right clients in order to build that book of business. So, so entrepreneurial sellers don't just see themselves as an employee. They are the founder. They're the CEO of their territory, of their book of business. That's great. Love it. Yep. Right. So, uh, keep yep. Us, so the next, keep, keep, us, keep going. us going. <laughs> All right. So, so the next one is, is uh, holistic and the reality is we have only a finite amount of time, uh, motivation, energy, and discipline in a given day. And the best, most uh, profitable, successful sellers, they really view their time and those different resources, they view them as investments. And they're very strategic about the way that they manage those resources. And because they're strategic and they know how to prioritize their, their activities in a given day, they're making the most out of these really finite resources. Yeah. So, so they're not just chasing anything. They look at it as every time I spend on an opportunity, 
I want to make sure it's the right opportunity. It's where I should be spending my time. So they tend to be very intentional. Very intentional. They are, they are brutally focused on investing their time in absolutely the right way. Because in, in your example, when, when you say yes to, to chasing an opportunity that may or may not be a right fit, you are saying no to another opportunity. And I just had this happen to me last week. I was presented with an opportunity from a strategic partner. They, they laid out what the, what the opportunity was. And, and after A, looking at the numbers, and, and B, really taking a good, tough look at my own pipeline and, and analyzing the opportunity, I knew that I had to say no to that. Because if I said yes to that opportunity, it was going to prevent me from being focused on the opportunities that I know would really grow my business. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. In same-side in same side selling, we profile companies that more than double their growth rate while pursuing 40% fewer opportunities. And people always say, wait, is there a typo? It's like, no, no. They double their no. growth rate while pursuing 40% fewer opportunities because they're very discerning about what they say yes or no to. Yep. Yep. And, and the other piece about being holistic in, and this is not, um, I think this is being talked about more, more now these days than it ever has before, but, but a holistic seller knows that they are the most important part of the equation when it comes to owning their time and owning their energy reserves. And so they, the best, uh, the best uh, holistic sellers are also taking care of themselves. Yeah. They have ener- they have energy routines. They are able to, as tough as it is, they are able to turn it off and and focus on other things that bring them joy in life. So they're not. Ju- it's not just all about work all the time. That's great. So we have agility, entrepreneurial, holistic. Yep. Keep going. Yep. So so the last two, uh, social and ambassador. So so social is the idea that the most successful sellers and and sales leaders, they are very strategic about their networks and about the connections that they're making. Because in, in in this time right now, our social capital is one of our most uh, valuable investments that we could make in, in the quality of our relationships. It really determines the quality of our sales results. And, and even in, even in a digital age, the, the connectivity that we make with other people and being able to, to elevate an initial connection into a deeper relationship and into opportunity, that, that isn't something that just happens digitally. So being able to, to move a relationship along and being very strategic about the, the network ecosystems that we're building, all of that contributes to being able to find the right opportunities, to work with the right clients that are a great fit for us, and, and also really contribute to our community and, and be connected to our communities. Great. So, yeah. so it's that whole idea of being a trusted resource by others. You're somebody who people know, trust, like, and... And a lot of times it comes down to that connection of, do you know so-and-so? Gee, do you know Amy? Yeah, I do. She's great. And that social reference can sometimes prove to be incredibly valuable. Or if they see you doing stuff in the community, it just helps build that extra layer of trust and comfort. Yeah, I mean, we, we are living in an age of, of social proof, um, whether that is social proof in the digital community or, or face-to-face. And, and a really quick example from my own life of that, um, I uh, – I serve on the board of the Girl Scouts here locally, 
And uh, that that goes back to being the oldest of five daughters. I'm, I'm also very pa- I'm also very passionate about developing developing our girl leaders of tomorrow. And so I'm on the board of the Girl Scouts. And the opportunity to be on the board of the Girl Scouts puts me in connection very regularly with a lot of local leaders in the community and and folks that are high up within their organization. And so that becomes a, we share a common bond. It becomes a non-salesy way to build those strategic connections. And when the, when the timing is right or the right opportunity presents itself, it naturally provides that, that opportunity for, um, for, for business, for whatever that might be. But I've, I've created a lot of business opportunities very naturally by being a part of my community and, and selectively uh, choosing where I invest my time and my networks. Yeah. And, and I think one of the important things that I, that I know just from talking to you is near and dear to your heart and is to mine is sometimes people will take that and say, oh, so I can go. I can go into this other group, and I can pitch all my stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. No. Go there and add value to that group, and just figure out what you can do to help that organization and the other people there. And if you take that selfless view, you know, people will call it karma. I, I, you know, I don't. I'm not necessarily buying in on karma as much as people want to do things for good people. Right. Right. And when when they know that that we are good people and we we share share these common interests, one of going back to your your first question about what we're seeing changing in the sales landscape, I think more and more people are are making decisions not just on those those table stakes types of um, types of elements like do you have the right product? Do you have the right price? They're also making decisions about will doing business will doing business with you be a benefit to them in other personal ways? Does it reduce their risk? Does it make them look good? And so part of that is developing those relationships in those non-salesy ways so that it naturally turns into business. And it's not something that's forced. That's great. And now we get to the ambassador topic. Yep. So so the last one is ambassador. And the idea behind ambassador, um, an ambassador is really a bridge. And and sellers who are our ambassadors, they are masterful at bridging between themselves and their prospects or clients, their organization, their community. They are awesome at taking that initial win, that initial relationship, and executing on that so well that they can then turn that into lifetime value. They are focused on lifetime value over that that initial win. And because they're focused on lifetime value, they are better at building long-term loyalty. They are better at building long-term profitability. And they're they're better at doing well by their clients. You know what? I love that part. It's near and dear to my heart because in, in, in what I teach, so much of it comes down to how do we how do we have conversation with our clients? And one of the topics that I insist people cover is I say, you have to have a meaningful discussion with your client about what success looks like and how you're going to measure it and hold each other accountable to that. And people say, oh, man, that's that's kind of hard. I don't necessarily have control over that is what a typical seller will say. And I'll say, look, the client's goal is to reach a result or outcome that's important to them. And if you're not having a meaningful conversation about that result and outcome, and if you're not committed to delivering it, then you're just trying to sell something. But if yeah. you shift the conversation to being, how are we going to achieve this result together for you? 
Now, all of a sudden, they look at one person who's trying to just make a sale, and you're the ones trying to help them reach an outcome. And once the client sees that, all of a sudden, they're willing to pay dramatically more for you. In fact, when I work with senior executives, I'll often paint this scenario, and I say, okay, you have two sellers in front of you. One seller says, hey, who needs to sign off on this? What do we need to do to get the agreement done? The other seller asks questions like, so what does success look like? What could get in the way of this being successful, even if we do everything right on our end? And ask those sorts of questions. And I pose to these executives, I say, which one would you rather work with? And 100% of people would rather work with a person focused on results. And then the interesting part is I ask them, so how much more might you be willing to spend with that other vendor? And the general consensus is 20%. Interesting. Yep. Just because the seller is asking questions about results and how they're going to measure it, people are inclined to pay dramatically more. And so if we want to sell value over price, we need to make sure we're focused on the same things that matter to the client. And at no point in time did our clients wake up and say, man, you know what? How do we help Amy hit her number this quarter? Right. Right. I mean, maybe (laughs) if it's a good friend of yours, you've done a ton of business, create a lot of value. They say, wow, you know what? How do we help Amy or so-and-so reach their target? But in most cases, the client's got their own issues. And if you can help them solve those, they'll give you opportunities for more. Right. And and your your last comment there just hit on something really important. And especially um, in really in any organization today, when I when I was at IBM, just just as a frame of reference, we used to have annual quotas. We would have annual quotas when I started out at IBM. Then those annual quotas turned into six month quotas. And then ultimately those six month quotas turned into quarterly quotas. So I was being measured every quarter on my uh, revenue results and also my profitability results. So they, they were taking a look at that maniacally every quarter. So, so to, yeah. So to your point, um, as someone who is really has that ambassador type of mindset, they're coming up to the end of a quarter and they need to hit a number. A lot of times the knee jerk reaction is to, to discount our products or services to try to pull as many deals as we can into the end of that quarter. Someone who's taken the long-term view on the client relationship has a lot of awareness and is able to be very intentional about whether or not they make a choice to do that. Because making a choice to do that today really has long-term effects down the road. So, so that, that's a trap that I see uh, happening quite a bit, where our knee-jerk reaction is to discount those products or services in the short term, but then we really we hurt ourselves and we hurt the client in the long term. Absolutely. So, Amy, aside from people rushing out and hopping online and buying a copy of The Modern Seller, What's the first thing that people should do to shift this mindset from old school to modern sales approaches? Hmm. Well, you know, I would say I would say that the first the first thing that they can do is if I if I'm a sales professional, I'm an individual contributor and and I'm listening to these five these five new skill sets, agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, social ambassador. I would be taking a look at my current pipeline, my current prospects, my current opportunities, and taking a good, honest look at how well do I know these prospects and these clients? 
How well do I know their business? And what can I start to do to make sure I really know their business inside and out so I can make this transition from a more transactional type of seller to a modern seller? So, so that's probably where I would start if I was an individual contributor. If I was a sales leader and in leading a team, you know, your, your average sales leader is typically going to have, you know, six to 10 people on their team. I would be taking a look at my team and going through each person one by one and looking at these different skill sets to say, okay, um, you know, how, how is Amy with these different types of skill sets? How is Ian with these types of skill sets? And, and I'd go through each person one by one and start to look at where my team is strong and where I may have some opportunities to coach them. I love it. So Amy, what's the, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? So, so I'll give you two places. Uh, the first is my website, amyfranco.com. And then uh, secondly, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Amy Franco on LinkedIn. And uh, please feel free to connect with me there. That's fantastic. We will include all that in the show notes. So Amy, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. And, um, and people run out and grab a copy of The Modern Seller. I love the principles behind this. And I think that people who adopt this We'll see a dramatic shift in their business. Thank you so much for having me. There's so many great things that Amy shared. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. And if you have not already taken the time to post a review or share this podcast with others, we really appreciate you for doing so. So I love the fact that Amy's talking about what it takes to become a modern seller and making sure that you're not focused transactionally but instead that you're focusing on the broader value to their business. And this focus of the modern seller, these five elements of agility, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and ambassador, think about how you're approaching each of your clients. And if you take that approach, I think you're going to see a dramatic uptick in your business. Remember, this show gets a direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic I should cover or a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.